The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Man, I'm glad to see you guys. I'm excited about date night. I was just, I was having my own moment like, <laughs> date night, awesome. Um, here, I've got some tips for date night. So ladies, here's what I want to do. Earmuffs, ladies, plug your ears. I got to talk to the guys for a minute. It's just us guys for a minute. So plug your ears. I'm serious. I'm not joking around. I'm giving you guys, you're going to love me for this. So just go with me on it. Okay, guys, here's what you do. Do it like old school date. So come up and drop the kids off and then go pick her up for the date. But like call her a couple days ahead of time and go, hey, I was just wondering and do the whole nervous thing. I was just wondering if I could take you out this Friday night. I would really love to do that. I can't wait to call you. I don't know if I can wait 24 hours, but I had to call you. Will you go out with me again? I'm telling you. Awesome. Okay. Okay, ladies. You're welcome. I'm thinking about dropping Abby off. She's 17, man. Just to... <laughs> oh, I'm excited about it. I love, I love that, that there's so many great things going on. And uh, a couple of things. The next week, next Sunday, is going to be our State of the Ministry address. And uh, we moved it up from uh, February 8th because we're so excited about what God has called us to do this year. So we bumped that up a week. And then February 8th, we're doing the Night of Presence. That's our worship time. It's a time for us to get outside of Sunday morning and just kind of let our hair down a little bit. I mean, which we do at the creek anyway. That's just how we roll. But I believe that there's some things that only happen in the presence of God. And so that night is very intentional about just spending time. We'll be doing worship, communion, some baptisms. We're doing a dedication for the facility. It's not saying, hey, this is a great facility, which I think it is, but it's a dedication for us to say, okay, God, you've given us this, there's purpose in this, and we're going to use it for your purpose. So we're really dedicating ourselves to what God wants us to do out of this facility, not uh, because of this facility. So, and and in, in speaking about the facility, let me let me just make an announcement. Um, I think last week we started a pool on bets of when we were going to have to do this, and so I think whoever picked today is going to be the winner. Winner chicken dinner. But I need to speak to the core for a minute. Um, Creek Core, if you could, if if you would just pray about. Um, helping us with some space in this service by coming to the nine o'clock. The nine o'clock, is, it's not empty, but there's a lot more seats. So you actually can have some more breathing room if you want. Um, but if you're visiting with us, we love you. We're not, our Creek Corps, man, we just ask our Corps to engage in ministry and that's what we consider membership here. And so uh, that way we can, we can make room. So I'm grateful for y'all. Thanks for scooting in. Thanks for been uncomfortable a little bit, but man, I just love being, being with y'all on Sundays. I was just, I, I posted a thing on Facebook. I, I'm going to tell them myself, I was Facebooking during the last part of worship. So uh, actually it's right before Joseph prayed. Joseph's one of our elders, so um, he, can, he can discipline me later, I guess. But I was Facebooking just because, I mean, what an incredible time of worship it was with you guys. I, I love it. I love it. I love being here with you. Um, we're in Romans chapter five. So if you've got your Bibles, meet me there. If you don't have a Bible, like uh, the video said, we keep them on the back table. If you don't own a Bible, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. If you need to use ours, you can use that. And then for uh, those of you who have smart devices, uh, let, me, let me go into a little bit of tech talk and kind of help you a little bit. Because I've been saying this for, I guess, five years almost about the U version. But let me, let me explain what that is. version, whatever device you use, and I know there's, there's great divide on the loyalties that we side with our uh, devices. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Apple guy, or I'm a Droid guy, or I'm a, I'm a flip phone guy. Man, God bless you. Um, I want that back. Uh, 
It was much more dependable. But uh, if a flip phone won't work. But um, I think we're actually heading back to the bag phone, if you believe it or not, because the size of the phones, remember, they got smaller and smaller and smaller. Now they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I went I was at the Apple store, and they were like, this is our iPhone Plus. I was like, it looks like an iPad mini to me. But... Um, you need a backpack for your phone. In about 10 more years, we're going to have a communications guy with a backpack running around behind us. <laughs> Get my wife on the phone. Yes, sir. Anyway, uh, I, I, wow. Um, I'll, I'll get this back on track. But the U version, it's a free app. Y-O-U version. Um, in your app store, you can download that. It has Bible studies. It has different Bible translations. And uh, then there's a place that you can touch called the Live tab. When you touch live, it'll come up with a search or a list, and you can type the creek if it doesn't come up automatically. And uh, that has our fill-ins, our notes, and everything uh, that we go through on a day, day-to-day basis. So it's okay to use your phone in church. Oh, my goodness. Um, but please keep it silent, you know. Um, because nobody wants to hear your ringtone. Um, I've been downloading some new ringtones, and I think I drove Heather crazy last night. And I was sitting there, and just my phone's making all this noise. She's like, you want to do that in another room or something? Like, no, I don't. But uh, anyway, Romans chapter 5. See, all that was filler to give you time to Romans. I'm going to teach you how, like pastors will say, Romans chapter 5, for example. Because for some, it takes time. It, I have to use a table of contents. That's why God put it there. And uh, so it, gets, it gives us all time to get on the same page. And then I use that as filler. I could do announcements, but we've got those nifty video announcements. So I could talk about cell phones. And then if you needed to know where our live tab is and things like that, see, see we're efficient here. But Romans chapter 5, Paul's writing this letter. We've been going verse by verse through this book of Romans. It was originally a letter written to the Christians and the Jews in first century Rome. And um, these were were people that would have converted uh, to being followers of Jesus Probably through the day of Pentecost, when you see Acts chapter 2, when it says that God-fearing men from all nations uh, gathered in Jerusalem, there would have been a contingent of people who gathered in from Rome, and so they took the gospel back, and it had transformed their life, and now Paul's trying to help them understand what it means to live like a Christ follower. And, and the book of Romans is, is full of, of information that helps us understand our relationship with Jesus what he's done for us, and what, how we live as a result of what Jesus has done for us through the cross and his resurrection. So um, <clears throat> the interesting thing is he would have written this to those in Rome, and there's like a weird ring going on. Um, he would have written that letter to those in Rome, and they, it was a real privilege to be born in Rome. It was a privilege to be a Roman citizen. And uh, they had the, the, the most advanced society. They had uh, education, had all these things at their disposal. And we can't choose where we're born. Now, as parents, we can say, okay, we're going to have kids, and we'll start looking at school districts, and we'll start looking at places in the country. And, and I think Fort Worth is one of the best places in the country to live. Um, that's just my opinion. I know it's right, but it's an opinion. Um, but uh, we'll decide, I want to move here to raise my family. But really, we as people aren't, we don't get the choice on where we're born. And we're born into a culture, and we spend our lives trying to find our identity in that culture. And and I've gone through culture changes in my life. I I was born and grew up in West Virginia, which is a much different culture than here. Um, I then lived in North Carolina, which was a very different culture. North Carolina, here's how, if, you, if you're from North Carolina, you'll understand this. If you ever move to North Carolina, I will help you understand how to live there. There are three things you got to know. 
There are Baptists, there are NASCAR, and there are basketball. Those are the three religions. That's how they work. I mean, I lived, in, I lived right in the center of all the college basketball, uh, everything, between Duke and UNC. Um, some people like the, the NC State. Not many people in, in, in that area like the NC State. But, they, I mean, there would be divides over which basketball team. And it came down to just, pretty much just basketball. But there would be division over which basketball team. There would be division over NASCAR, and it was just the number on NASCAR, okay? So that was North Carolina. Major culture shock. But then I moved to Texas. Ooh, that was a big culture shock. I'm home. This is where I'm supposed to be. But man, did I have to learn how to fit in in Texas. And some of you know that story when I told you about ordering a hot dog the first time I moved here, you know? I ate a slaw dog. It's called a slaw dog. You put slaw on top of the dog. <laughs> Native Texans don't do that. That's like, you ain't defiling a hot dog that way, boy. <laughs> Some of y'all have converted. Uh-huh, I've seen it. But uh, we spend our life trying to fit into a culture. When I was in middle school and in, in high school, I wrestled with the idea of culture because how do I fit in? What's my purpose? What, what's my role? What do, I, what do I do? God, why have you placed me here? And we spend our life trying to figure ourselves out. And ultimately, when we go back to what Paul's going to teach today is we are born into a culture. There's, there's two cultures, really, that exist that God sees. There's, there's the culture that is born in Adam, which is all of us who are born. And that culture is reigned by death and condemnation. And, and then there's another culture that we can be born into, and that is in Christ, and that is ruled by grace and life. And what Paul's going to help explain through this passage is you're either one. You're going to live in either kingdom. And it's the culture of that kingdom that's going to drive your life. And it's going to help illuminate your identity. As we've been going through the, the, the teaching in Romans, we're finishing up our illumination series today. And Paul kind of tracks it this way. He starts it out like, here's how dark it is. Here's the reality of the situation. This is how dire it is, but there's hope because the light of Christ and because of what he's done and who he is brings us hope. And so we titled this section Illumination, and I want to talk on illuminating identity because we're, we're found in either one, and it, it's gonna, we're going to find out it all comes down to one man's actions. Let's start. I'll start verse 12. Therefore, just as sin, therefore, Paul's building on a previous point. What he's building on is this peace with God through faith. So when we put our faith in God, and he, he's creating this argument of sin and condemnation and in faith and grace, and he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So what Paul's saying is, through one man's trespass, the entire world is in bondage. Now let's, let's kind of unpack that and let's kind of bring some understanding to that because verse 12 tells us that all have sinned. We know that we all have sinned. And what he's doing is he's saying we've all sinned because we come from Adam. Acts uh, 17 tells us that it's from Adam that every one of us are born. And God sets the times and the places for where we will live. And so we have this unity in Adam. And by being born in Adam, 
we inherit his condemnation and his sin. Now, what, now what is his sin? Let's, let's go back to the garden, Genesis chapter 3. Because what you've got is God creating everything, spoke everything into existence. He formed the dust and he breathed into it and created man. He breathed his life into man. And that first man is Adam. And Adam lived in a perfect setting. Adam had it all together. And then God gave Adam a helpmate. He gave Adam Eve. And God set them in perfection. He set them in the garden. They had an incredible relationship. There was nothing hindering the relationship with God. And he had a tree in that garden. And he said, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that fruit. Don't even touch that fruit or you'll die. And then one day the serpent comes and tempts Eve. We're familiar with the story. He tempts Eve. She eats of the fruit. She offers it to Adam. He eats the fruit. And then God comes in and he casts them out of the garden. He says, I told you, if you eat of that, you'll die. And Adam didn't immediately die, but what died was the relationship with God. What died was the culture that God had created them to live in in the garden. And that culture was life and grace and a perfect relationship. And now it's death and condemnation. And uh, we, we, can, we tend to get into the, the blame game. <clears throat> I mean, okay, so it's Adam's fault that we're all born into a culture reigned by death and sin. So I'm off the hook because we love to blame other people. I mean, you, you, it, and it, we get it honestly. You go back to the garden. Remember when God came in and said, Adam, where are you? We were hiding because we were naked and ashamed. And God's like, who told you you were naked and ashamed? And Adam's like, the woman. You created her, God. I was fine right here. I was taking care of the animals. Everything was good. You put me to sleep. You took one of my ribs. See, she takes everything I got, God. You gave it to her. And then boom, she's the one who did it. And, and God, you can't say no to a woman. And he says, it's, it's done. It's done. And from that point, the culture is death and condemnation. And, and, and we like to, we like to pass, pass blame. And, and here's the reality. There are reasons we break rules, like, um, but it comes down to two. There's defiance and ignorance. And when Paul said that sin is not counted where there is no law, doesn't mean that, that because we don't know the law, that our sin doesn't count. I ran an orange light yesterday. Um <laughs> You know, that state of being between yellow and red, you know, green, go, red, stop, yellow, go very fast. Um, and I didn't get caught. I have gotten caught by the traffic cameras before, and that's unfair, man. That's just like, that's like giving all the advantage away. I mean, come on, let me have something here. But um, we've all broken the law, and we've all at one point gotten caught. Now, whether it's a speeding ticket or whatever it is, um, Here's the reality. When, when we get confronted with the trespass, with the law that we broke, we're not going to look at that officer and go, I just didn't like it. I didn't like that rule. I thought it was stupid. And you're not going to put up a case in front of that officer of going, I broke that rule because I'm in defiance of that rule. I'm going against the man, whatever it is. We're going to plead ignorance, right? I didn't know. 
I mean, I thought the speed limit was 85 through here. I mean, I know there's some parts of this road between here and Austin that it might be 85. And, you know, everybody else was doing it. And what Paul's saying is that, no, it's not ignorance is going to get us off. There were generations of people that lived from the time Adam sinned to the, when the law was given with Moses. And it's not that, he says, their sin wasn't counted against them. So where did death come from? Death had to come from some other means. Death came from Adam's sin. So with or without the law, we see generations that are condemned to death because of what Adam did. And all the way down the line, generation after generation after generation, we are born into a culture of sin and condemnation all the way down to you and I. We are born broken. We are born with death and sin reigning in our life. How do I know this? Look at our kids. I mean, I don't have to teach my kids. I'd never had to teach my kids how to, how to break any rules. They knew, I mean, they came out of the womb knowing how to do that. I, they must have got it from their mother, not me. I mean, I was a perfect child. <laughs> yeah, my mom in here? Um, bless your mom. I'm going to be at her house this afternoon. I will hear it. And you, you were not a perfect child. Let me tell you, I got the footage. Um, <laughs> But death comes from another cause. And so, in Adam, we have death. But I'm grateful for God because we'll see in Scripture where Adam is called the first Adam. And Christ is referred to as the last Adam. And that in his grace and in his mercy, he gives us a last Adam who by his life and death undid all that happened in the garden. Let's go on. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not the result, not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because one man's trespass Death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous." Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, great grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what Paul is saying is through one man's trespass, the whole world was placed in bondage, and through one man's free gift, we can be free. It all comes down to the actions of one man. We're born into a culture of death because of the actions of Adam. We can be reborn into a culture of life because of what Christ has done. So what's this idea of of reborn? How am I reborn? When you go to John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is asking Jesus, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus, knowing 
his heart, Jesus being all-knowing, Jesus being God, understands what Nicodemus is asking and answers the question, you know, the eternal life that you seek, it's not a timeline, it's a relationship. And that relationship is with Christ. And the way you have that relationship, Nicodemus, is to be reborn. And like most men, if we're given that kind of answer, we're going to go, what? I can't, I, I can't go back into my mother's womb. Are you crazy? And Jesus explains spirit has to give birth to spirit. Just as we are born in Adam, Jesus says we can be reborn in Christ. And it's a free gift. It's faith. Paul's done an incredibly beautiful job explaining and articulating faith, justification, and grace. And he says, through faith, you are reborn in Christ. We receive gifts on faith. I mean, we receive a gift that in faith and on faith that what you're giving me is something I want, something I need, something that's going to make my life better. You, you know when you, when you get that perfect gift for somebody, you're so excited to give it to them because you're like, this is going to so help their life. This is going to be incredible. They're going to love it. And, and, and there's always something. If it's a bad gift, what do we do? We put it on the shelf and we save it for the gift exchange next Christmas, right? Heather's like, are you, you going to keep that? Yes, I am. What are you going to do with it? I'm saving it for next year because I'm going to do it at the gift exchange. It's going to be awesome to see people's faces when they do this because somebody obviously didn't like me or think about anything about me when they gave me that gift. But Jesus gives us a free gift of grace and he says this, this absolutely is the most important thing you'll ever need in your life. When we start looking at these two kingdoms, these two cultures in Christ and Adam, we can start comparing some things um, in the two. And, and we, we tend to find our identity in one of these two things because we're either in Adam or in Christ. When God looks at humanity, he sees two men, Adam and Christ. And we are either in Adam or we are in Christ. And so when we look at these, verse 15 talks about offense versus free gift. See, Adam's offense, his trespass, his sin brought condemnation and death. And Christ's free gift, him going to the cross and his resurrection brings justification in life. Do you remember what justification is? It's just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God looks at us. When we are in Christ, he sees us as the righteousness of God. It's a culture of death versus life. I mean, we see that Paul explains that death reigned from the time of Adam until Christ, and now life can reign. So even though we're alive and in Adam, we're really dead while being in Adam. And the only way to have life is through Christ. And it's not just an ordinary life. Jesus said, I came that you might live, but you also, also so you might have abundant life. You see, Jesus didn't die and resurrect so we could live in mediocrity. He went to the cross so we could reign in victory in life. Condemnation versus justification. This is one I think a lot of even Christ followers, those who are in Christ, struggle with. Because when Adam sinned, it brought condemnation into the world. And, and through Jesus' gift, we have right standing with God. Now, 
let me, let me sidebar, or what we coined last week, let me give you an asterisk here. I won't wear it out. I won't use it too much. That's my tendency. We'll come up with something good, and I, I, I just wear it out. I think that's a church culture, too. You know, we just wear something out. There are too many Christ followers that are in Christ, yet live under condemnation. And what that means is that the enemy has a stronghold in your life, that you may be living in the culture of life and grace, but yet you're not identifying with the culture of life and grace. You're letting the enemy steal and rob your identity and keep you under condemnation. I love what Paul says about condemnation. He says, if you're in Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation. You see, when we, when we are in Christ, he says, there's no condemnation. He will bring conviction of our sin, but he's not going to condemn us. He says, because you've been born, you've been reborn in Christ. You've left that identity. For some of y'all, today might be the day you finally just say, you know what, I'm not going to identify with condemnation anymore. I'm going to identify with the justification that God has paid for and given me as a free gift. Disobedience versus obedience. Adam's disobedience made us all sinners. Christ's obedience is what makes us righteous. Let me, let me, let me sidebar on this obedience, disobedience thing. Um, when you go, when you, when you look at the situation, you have Adam who is created and he's living in a, a perfect place. He's living in a garden. It is perfect. He has an incredible relationship with God. He has harmony with God. Um, everything is perfect and yet he disobeyed. You have Jesus who was born into the world that God wrapped himself in flesh and faced incredible temptation from the enemy in the desert, who faced incredible uh, temptation in the garden before his crucifixion, and yet he could obey God perfectly. And this goes back to an argument. I want to I talk about some things that... that, that I wrestle with sometimes, and I know some of you wrestle with because I get questions about it. When you go back to the garden in that setting, why would God allow Adam to sin? Why would God let that happen? Why did God even put the tree there in the first place? Because here's the thing, God knew it. God's all-knowing. He knew what was going to happen. And we, we understand that because Jesus said, I'm, I'm the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So before we were even created, he knew what would happen. Before he put the tree there, he knew what would happen. So why do that? Disobedience is a choice. And obedience is a choice. Just like love is a choice. When we were talking about this point this week, uh, Pastor Trinity, our family pastor, said that he, he, he'll talk with, with young men about this very truth, and he would ask them, he said, okay, there's two women, they're identical in look, that you can marry. One is a robot. One is programmed to love you. That it, she's just going to respond, I love you, you're the best. I'll do everything for you. Now, married guys, you can't. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> some of y'all like, huh. Is that part of that raffle with the connect card? 
No. And so she will have no emotion. She'll have no feeling. She'll have really no love. She's just programmed to tell you she loves you. But on the other side, flesh and blood, will and emotions and intellect, and she will make the choice to love you when you're trustworthy, when you give her something to love, which would you rather have? We're all going to respond, I want the real. Because it's so much more beautiful to be told I'm loved and be shown I'm loved when it's out of an act of the heart, not out of programming in the mind. And God didn't create us to just be mindless people that have no ability to express and communicate our love to him. God created us with a choice to disobey and obey because I can tell you, and I can tell you as a husband and as a parent how incredible it is when Heather or my kids say, I love you and I know where it's coming from. I know it's coming from all my faults and failures and they're overseeing those and they're saying, I love you. And when God says, I love you, and he sees past all of the junk in my life, he sees past all the things I get hung up with and he says, I love you. And when I realize everything he's done in my life, I can tell you this, it draws me to love him even more. Even when I can't be perfect, And God says, I didn't call you to be perfect. I called you to be mine. I called you to walk in obedience. I called you to love me. You can also contrast law and grace in this. The law wasn't given to save us. The law was given for this purpose, to show that we need a savior, to show us that there's no way to follow the law perfectly whether through defiance or ignorance, we cannot follow the law perfectly. It's going to take the act of one man, Jesus, and the free gift of grace for us to be able to live the life that God's called us to live. That when we break the law, we will go before the judge and what we want, we always ask for mercy. Most of the time we get justice. I've never had to go into a courtroom and and gotten grace. Here's what it means. Justice is getting what I deserve. Mercy's not getting what I deserve. And grace is getting something so much greater that I can't deserve. It's law versus grace. The reality is this. We find our identity in one man. That we, we will find our identity in either in Adam We're in Christ. And so here's the question for you. And this is one to really search in your heart. Am I in Adam or in Christ? Because I said when God looks at humanity, he sees those in Adam and those in Christ. If I'm in Adam, then sin and death reign over my life and I'm under condemnation. If I'm in Christ, then I have the ability through him and through faith to live victoriously and rule and reign 
in life. Not just with Christ in heaven, but I have the ability to rule and reign in life. God gives me the ability to to rule and reign over the things that create strongholds in my life. For the sin that so easily entangles me, he gives me the ability to be strong. He gives me the the ability to walk in obedience. So the question is, where is your identity rooted? And I can tell you this, that Christ has an incredible identity. That even though you didn't choose to be born in Adam, you can choose to be born in Christ. And that happens through an act of faith. That happens when we say, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I need my identity to be formed and shaped by you instead of everything else in the world. And it's spirit giving birth to spirit. And and I want to encourage you, we're going to take communion in a little bit, but but maybe the, the step that you'll need to take after this service is we're, we're going to have prayer team members on the sides of this room and at the front. And if you've been wrestling with identity, then, then come and let them pray with you. If God's made it clear that, that he's calling you, he says, look, you're in Adam, and I'm, I'm through love and grace, I'm calling you to be in Christ. Or maybe you're in Christ and you're just letting condemnation just have its way with you. Maybe it's time to say no more. I'm not identifying with that culture. I'm identifying with the Jesus culture. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this time today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your free gift of grace. That through the cross, you paid for it. You made a way for us to live in victory, for us to reign in life for us to have an identity transformation. So we invite you now into our space. God, if there's anyone here who who has been living under the, the condemnation that comes from Adam, from what we're born into, I pray you give them the courage just in the quietness of their moment, in the depth of their soul to just say, Jesus, I need life. I need grace. And I need a transformation of my identity. He will do that. He will enter in. For those of you who are in Christ, God, I pray for you to give us strength to to break the strongholds that the enemy puts on our life that keeps us under condemnation, that keeps us under things that that hinder us from walking in obedience with you. And ask for your help. Lord, you you said in this passage that where sin abounds, grace is given all the more. So as you show us areas in our life that we are walking in disobedience, that maybe up to this moment we've been walking in ignorance and not knowing this is being disobedient to you. Would you pour your grace on us so that we now know and we now walk differently. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.